0: miss to the top. To the t- You're tuned in to
1: the
2: Eagle Hour.
1: Good afternoon, Americans. Stay tuned for news. I wonder how many people even know who I'm
0: trying to do there. Two. I'm going to say two, and that's Chuck and I.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Paul Harvey is who I was trying to do, of course, the late great. Uh, and
0: now the rest, the rest of the story.
1: Yeah, but you have to even pause after the rest. Of the story, right? I'm Kelly Sander along with producer-engineer Michael Morgans, here on this Friday edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad that you're with us on our 11 stations across the state of Mississippi where we talk all things Southern Miss. Of course, there's a lot of other things shaking in college athletics today, so we might kind of get off. We're going to talk Southern Miss, of course, but we'll also be talking about other things going on, and there is a lot going on in the world of college athletics today. Chuck Abbott, is going to be joining us momentarily. Chuck was a longtime reporter and staff writer at the Hattiesburg American from 1972 to 2000, by the way, when Paul Harvey was still (laughs) on the air. But this segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue. Dickie's Barbecue, I rely on all the time for tailgate parties when people say, what are you going to bring? I said, I don't know. Let me let me just throw something together. Well, what I throw together is a trip to Dickie's, actually. And people go, man, that stuff sure is good. And I I, I do... I do fess up and say it's it's Dickie's Barbecue Pit. And, of course, all the side items that you can get with your barbecue, including my favorite, the creamed spinach, you can drive through or go in the dining area, enjoy that uh, soft-serve ice cream. Dickie's is the king of the hill when it comes to tailgate food or catering as well. Glad that they're with us here on the Eagle Hour. Christian Ostrander, the former pitching coach of the Southern Miss baseball team, has been promoted to new associate head coach. We'll be talking about the round of that move a little bit later on in the hour when Luke Johnson will join us in our second segment. But joining us now is Chuck Abadie. We mentioned from 1976 to 1995, he was the sports editor, but he was on staff of the Hattiesburg American from 1972 to 2000. And in that time period, you had such sports writers as Rick Cleveland, Van Arnold, Alan Hinton, Stan Caldwell, Gene Phelps, the list goes on and on. And we talk about that in, in such a good light because sports reporters in mid to small market newspapers now are going the way of the Buffalo. There's not hardly any anymore. And the Hattiesburg market is among them. But we welcome you, Chuck. It's always good to talk uh, Southern Miss sports with you in the days that, that you got to cover the Golden Eagles. And one of the questions I wanted to start with is, is the bulk of the time you know, that that you were kind of kind of in the middle of your career, Jim Carmody was the head coach of the football team, and Jim Carmody's nickname was Big Nasty, and part of it was because he was the engineer of that great nasty bunch defense. But some people would say that he also got that nickname because at times he was not easy to deal with. So with that notion, did you personally ever have any trouble with Jim Carmody?
2: I I did not, uh, Kelly, but I also knew from press conferences with Coach Carmody, that you needed to be prepared. I will tell you, Coach Carmody was one of the most prepared coaches I've ever been around. You know, he was a Tulane graduate and and very smart man, very very fine defensive defensive coach. But you wanted to be prepared with your questions. You you didn't want to ask something that that he might. Look at you, you know, he had a stare, okay? We all know about the stare that, that Coach Carmody had. And, uh, you know, it, it. it criticism, you know, he didn't like criticism. But I will tell you this, he was one fine defensive coach. And I look back to all the glory years they had at USM when he was coming through as a defensive coordinator, defensive coach during the Bobby Collins era and such. And then when he came back, defense was his big thing. And, you know, where did the name Big Nasty come from? I tell you what, you could probably get some people, and this is some people we probably ought to have on the show, Gerald Bayless or Richard Bird. Those guys could tell you where that name came from because they were the heart and soul of that nasty bunch defense uh, way back when Coach Carmody was here.
1: And I will say, too, that whenever I had – time with coach Carmody it was a set time each week and as you mentioned be prepared be ready because if you weren't ready it didn't matter you had your time period I had my time period with him and if I had to spend half the time messing with a camera or changing a battery I was out of luck because my appointment was over at such and such a time and if we didn't get to the questions that I wanted to ask he was done he was on he was on to the to the next thing and But I never had any trouble with Coach Carmody either. You know, if you were ready to go and had your questions, and he would, was always very forthright, you know, I, I think maybe when the NIT team was having, or ba- the basketball program was having some success in the latter part of Carmody's tenure, I think there might have been a little bit of, uh, je- for lack of a better term, jealousy there, that the basketball team was, was grabbing most of the headlines when his when his football team wasn't. But one other guy who some people found very difficult or at least had the reputation of being difficult, uh, rest his soul, was the late uh, athletic director Bill McClellan. Your thoughts?
2: Well, Bill McClellan was an interesting fella. i okay, to say the least. You know, I, I tell a lot of people he was the architect of a lot of the success we had back then. Now, Bill was not the greatest communicator in the world. We all know that, okay, but I will tell you, he was good friends. This is a good story. He was a good. He was good friends with Mike Slive. Remember, Mike Slive he used to be the commissioner of the South Southeastern Conference. Before that, Mike Slive was the commissioner of Conference USA, the Metro Conference. Okay, and when all that reorganization was going on, Bill McClellan and Mike Slive were big buddies. Okay. Southern Miss was part of the discussion, okay? Because I don't know if you remember, when they had the old Metro Conference, people thought, well, why is Southern Miss in the Metro Conference when you're talking about metropolitan areas? Memphis, New Orleans, Cincinnati, Louisville, Tallahassee, Hattiesburg, okay? Why were we included in there? Bill McClellan was the reason we were included in in that uh Discussion now, Bill. Bill had a a way. You know, he came to us from Clemson. Okay, where he was the athletic director there. They won national championships. They had Danny Ford. I think, if I remember right, Kelly, he fra- followed Frank Howard there. Frank Howard was the athletic director at Clemson. I may be going back older than you. I hope I'm not. Oh, it's
1: all on Win- <laughs> it's all on Wikipedia, Jackson.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. But but Bill was at at Clemson. When Danny Ford was the head coach and they won the national championship, and later on they had some NCAA troubles and Bill, you know, the dominoes fell and Bill lost his job. And a couple of years later, you know, we hired him as athletic director at Southern Miss.
1: But one of the things that you had to do, you and and some of your colleagues, we mentioned, you know, Van Arnold and Alan Hinton, uh, Rick Cleveland, of course, who everybody in the state of Mississippi knows – you had a job to report the news, good, bad, or indifferent. But sometimes, it, as you mentioned in the comedy case, that it didn't sit well at times, not because you didn't want it to sit well, but you had a job to do. So how did you handle relationships of sometimes having to report what could be perceived as negative things with people who you personally liked?
2: Well, you know, we, we had some some deals back then, Kelly, when I was sports editor, we went through two NCAA investigations, okay? Now, that was along the time that Coach Carmody was there, not when he was the head coach, but he was there at that time, and you had to have your questions ready to go, okay? Now, there were times, not just with Coach Carmody, there were times with some other coaches where they would say, well, I I I don't like your question, or I'm not going to answer that question, or no comment. You know, I mean, we all went through that. I I went through that with uh, Coach Bauer and, and Coach Collins, and you know, and Coach Turk. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, with them, that's just the nature of the beast, Kelly.
1: But with we mentioned that a lot of sports reporters anymore have gone the way of the buffalo. So who who holds? sports administrators coaches and so on accountable nowadays when there isn't that designated media person
2: you know it's kind of scary thinking isn't it i mean i mean even we even don't have sports illustrated following all these things anymore uh we'll talk about it after the break we'll stick with that topic
1: boy you've got to talk about a radio veteran he hears the bumper music (laughs) one particular episode or one particular edition of sports illustrated i know is quite popular but that's for another show in another place again we've got uh, news breaking out of southern miss of the baseball team with the promotion of Christian Ostrander. And man, you talk about dominoes falling. Conference reorganization everywhere. We're going to try to get on top of it. Luke Johnson joins the Eagle Hour Would we continue in a moment.
0: Southern Miss, to the top, top. you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
1: From the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, Luke Johnson will be joining us momentarily from the First Bank Studio in Laurel. The Eagle Hour Friday edition continues. This segment brought to you by Campus Bookmark, the big yellow building across the main entrance to the University of Southern Mississippi. You can't hardly miss that building. It's so bright yellow, a lot of people think it's battery-operated. Because it, it cuts through fog and everything, I mean it is a it is a bright yellow building, and they 've got everything ready to get you ready for the academic year. A lot of the public schools have already started, but Southern miss students won't be back until uh, late august you know they'll they 'll keep their usual schedule, but got plenty of time to get ready for football, get in the swag. I went in there to look for some shirts the other day, and I started to walk over to the rack, and they said, "Oh no, Mr. Sander, your rack is over there." <laughs> I, I said, "What do you mean my rack <laughs>
2: You could I, be shopping for someone else. Uh, we, c- they just I could assume.
1: be. I could be, but I went over to that rack and I know why they said it was my rack. There were lots of Xs in front of the Ls and uh, and I need one of those, but they're sensitive to the fact that we, too, are fans <laughs> at times. So Campus Bookmart is a place you want to be in there, open 24-7 on the World Wide Web. Luke Johnson now joins us from the studio in Laurel. And, Luke, we're talking with uh, Chuck Abadie, continuing our discussion. Chuck, I wanted to you know, finish the point that we were talking about. Who who holds coaches and athletes responsible now that, uh, that your local news guy really isn't there anymore so much?
2: Well, you know, a lot of that, Kelly, falls <laughs> – first off you got you got to mention social media okay what's out there the problem with that is you don't know if it's facts or or fiction okay when you start talking about how do you hold a coach accountable okay now there are some beat writers still out there yes okay and and they are posting their material on twitter and facebook and and instagram and what have you okay and and Young people are watching that, older folks are not. But who's accountable? It's got to be the schools themselves. I mean, because there's just not the number of media people out there to go out there and do that. I mean, I, I know uh, we, we talk a lot on the show here with Patrick McGee, and thank goodness for Patrick, okay? Because Jackson South, we really don't have anybody else you know that stays on top of what's going on at Southern Miss. Now, hey, that's where this radio show fills a big void. Okay, I mean, you know, because look, the other statewide sports shows we know about, they don't focus on on Southern Miss. Okay,
1: but but the current the current media uh, landscape, Bill McClellan, as we mentioned, he would have loved it.
2: <laughs> oh no, he he would have. He, you know, I, I'll tell you, Bill. Bill was interesting, you know. We both had each other's home phones, Now, this was back when we had home telephones. And Bill would tell me, you know, if you got a question about something we're doing, call me at home. I said, okay, Bill, all right, and I would. I'd call him at home because then again, he'd call me at home too. But you
1: know? but he'd usually say, "I'm not going to tell you.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could call him." His, <laughs> his 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 thing, you know. If I if I wrote something critical. Of what's going on at USM, no matter what the topic was, he would call me, and the first thing that Bill would say is, "There you go doing my job for me." That was his favorite phrase when he would call me if he did if he disliked something we had. There you go doing my job.
1: Well, a salute to Jeremy McLean, the current athletic director, because he's he's very transparent, not afraid to to answer. Uh, Not afraid to let you ask any question. Of course, he'll answer it professionally and as he sees fit, but he doesn't, he never says, I'm not even going to talk about whatever. He'll say, Ask whatever, and I'll answer whatever. So, Luke, as you join us now from Laurel, from the news headlines at Southern Miss, pitching coach Christian Ostrander has been promoted to associate head coach. And I'm wondering, Luke, does this pave the way for whenever Scott Barry is ready to retire, and he already, quote-unquote, has his years in with uh, the state retirement system, and, and nobody is looking forward to Scott retiring anytime soon and could certainly stay, I would imagine, as long as he wants. But does this clear the way now for Christian Ostrander to be the coach-in-waiting, so to speak? Has Southern Miss shown its hand saying that Ostrander's their guy?
0: Possibly, but you got to remember, I think, Chad Kaye kind of held the same position, you know. He kind of had the same title, and so I think the first way you interpreted this, it is just uh, obviously with with that title, <clears throat> you would assume, you know, uh, a, a little more bump and pay, or, or there's there's some incentive there. But I think number one, it, it's a it is recognizing. How great this pitching staff has been under Ostrander! I think it's recognizing that he is uh, a preeminent coach, probably one of the best pitching coaches in our conference, and you know within within the South as well. And and so I think first and foremost, it's the university and the baseball program. I think it's Jeremy McLean just telling Christian Ostrander like. You know, this is we we want you here, and and we're going to invest in more in you here. As far as you know, what would happen after Coach Barry uh, retires? No idea uh, uh, about that. And of course, there's been, you know, there's been lots of you know names down the line that have kind of been tossed around in this, but it certainly looks like you you from everything we know of Christian uh, Ostrander and. and the, from his interactions with us on the show, and then you watch the great, uh, you know, job that that he does with our pitching staff. Certainly, whenever Coach Barry would uh, would you know determine that he wants to, uh, to deer and turkey hunt more in his life, <laughs> that that Oz would be the type of dude that you would want running. This. So I wouldn't interpret it strictly as there's been an heir apparent named. I would take it as first and foremost. You were the, the assistant coach of the year. You've done excellent in your time. We're doubling down in our commitment to you as Southern Miss baseball.
1: And here's something about Ostrander that people should remember as well. The one thing that people consistently say outside of the Southern Miss program about Southern Miss, its athletic department, its athletes, male or female, doesn't matter, is that they're, they, you always hear the term, they're blue-collar athletes. Right. They they got a chip on their shoulder. They work hard. They start at the bottom and work their way to the top. Well, here's Ostrander, who has taken those steps. All right. Started as a high school baseball coach down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. All right. Then was uh, a coach at the junior college ranks at Jones. All right. So then he goes from junior college to Division one when he was an assistant coach at Louisiana Tech. I think sometimes people forget that he was at Louisiana Tech for a brief stint and now has come to Southern Miss. So he has worked his way up the rung, you know, high school to junior college to uh, Division One Louisiana Tech, now Southern Miss. So this is a guy that uh, that kind of fits the athlete design, Chuck, of, of a blue-collar guy that has done it the right way and has been rewarded accordingly.
2: Well, I understand that. That's correct, and I also think, Kelly, that when it's all said and done, he's still going to have a hand in that pitching staff. I don't see us going out and and getting somebody else. I think he's going to continue in that role, at least I certainly hope so, as well as the pitchers have done in the last couple of years.
0: And putting a postscript on some baseball. Let me me follow up something, just a second. Let me follow up to that. And, you know, and and you might see because we we reported you know a few weeks ago, Colin Cargill moving on to Mississippi College. This might be a situation you know we look up five six years down the road. Coach Barry decides it's time to step down. Whoever slides in, but you know you could see Colin Cargill getting his uh, you know coaching experience now at Mississippi College, and he may get another shot. I could certainly see Colin Cargill coming back and and filling that role. And you know if Ostrander would be the the manager, you have him. And and Cargill or someone of that caliber, you know, at Southern Miss guys with that that pitching, you know, coaching ability, that would be uh, that would be tremendous. And I think it does help to, Coach Barry, you know, with his catching experience. I think a lot of times it plays in well, um, to have. You know, a, a guy with uh, that, that leans more pitching to to be the manager and director of your program,
1: and and really, uh, Luke, to put a, a postscript on the baseball discussion, it looks now like all of the Southern Miss players, all three now, are opting to go the pro route. With Reed Trimble officially signing with the Orioles, so those three are gone, Luke. Right?
0: Yeah, and and it's kind of you know in some ways head scratching because the the Orioles signed their first round pick. I think his slot was somewhere in the 6 million range. He signed in the 4 4.5 million range. Trimble's slot was was supposed to be a little over a million, like 1.03. Trimble signed for 800. And I'm just, you know, we were all like, man, he he probably he's going to sign for his slot value or even more simply because of the leverage that he has as a as a second year college player who turned 21 before June 15th. And so I don't know, you know, why that happened, but apparently um, he signed for about two hundred thousand dollars less. Uh, Ock did the same thing. I think his slot was one ninety seven, and got the number thrown out as he signed for one fifty. Happy for these dudes. I mean, go ball it out and and professional baseball represents Southern Miss. But man, Trimble signing for a little less than what that slot value was, but it, it makes sense. And you just wonder, you know, uh, why that happened, and it kind of happened in several of the Orioles picks.
1: But I think what you're going to see in the future uh being closely associated with some people in, in professional baseball now. I think you're going to see that as years go on, these signing numbers instead of going up are going to start going down.
2: Well, you got fewer you got fewer minor league teams now.
1: And and you've got you've got a lot of the foreign players who quite frankly will play for a lot less than American players and that's going to dictate the market. So, and and with COVID point. and a lot of teams with COVID took a bath financially and have got to recoup it somehow. So I know what you're saying as you're listening to the program and Steely Dan comes in behind us. Sander, shut up and let Donald Fagan and the guys take us into commercial break. All right, I'm going to do that. But when we come back, Luke Johnson, Chuck Abadie, and I are going to break down all of these dominoes that are starting to fall in conference realignment. And are Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC quicker than even expected? We're going to try to sort out this mess In a moment. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. This third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. It's where Southern Miss fans always go to pregame. Just a stone's throw from the rock and in the shadow of MM Roberts Stadium is Fourth Street Bar and Grill, right over the right over the Highway 49 Bridge from Fourth Street. You're right down the road from Reed Green Coliseum and Pete Taylor Park and the Rock as well. They are going to have the Olympics going on. All of the big screen TVs always have that 895 lunch that includes a soft drink. And every once in a while they will play Southern Miss Trivia. So I'm going to throw one out to both Chuck and Luke Johnson. Okay, now we're going back to the Carmody era, Luke, so this might be a little bit before your time. But place kicker Rex Banks, who started a long run of really good, successful, prolific place kickers at Southern Miss, what number did Rex Banks wear?
2: <laughs> you got to Oh, I really like Rex. Who He was a super guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, gosh, Kelly.
1: Well, if, if, if you're starting to count, where would you start?
2: I would... I would have had, like, seven.
1: Now, if you're starting so, to count, what's the, what's the first number?
2: Uh, one. Oh,
1: the, oh, the yeah. first count. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Okay. One. <laughs> one was the number. And I actually knew that one night. I can't tell you what I won. It was actually... Go ahead. There was another
0: kicker, Johnny Lamoro. He wore number one. He wore number one. Wore, number yeah. one. He if y'all remember it was like a '93, '94 Tulsa game. He hit like a, it was a fifty-plus yarder right at the end. And your buddy, but, and um, your
1: buddy McCallop was the only left-footed kicker that I remember at Southern Miss.
0: Yeah, Darren. Um, but see, when we we got to us, we we started wearing. Uh, quarterback numbers, because I was 17 and Darren was 16. So whenever we would go on the road, we would go out early and throw footballs, so the opposing fans thought we were the quarterback. So they, <laughs> they said that Darren was too small to be a quarterback, and obviously they yelled at me and told me I was too fat to be a quarterback.
1: Hell, McCallum was almost too small to be a kicker. <laughs> but anyway, lots of things going on in in college football. Let's start with a couple of other notes before we before we really uh, get to the meat of the discussion in this segment. The Sun Belt Conference has announced that it, is, it has extended its contract with ESPN through the year 2030 and in that negotiation Sunbelt was able to get more games on the major ESPN channels which is a which is a thumbs up for the Sunbelt now meanwhile Conference USA signed with UPN which I'm not even sure obviously that's something network uh, UPN I'm not even sure what that stands for United and- Paramount Network that, that would be a good guess, Michael. Is that the, is yeah. that the right answer? Mm-hmm. Originally, yeah. Oh, okay, United Paramount. I don't even. I don't even on my channel on my satellite. It goes up to like channel seven thousand. I don't even think that's that's on there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it is anyway. Seven thousand one. There you go. Just missed it by one. And then some headlines out of the University of Arkansas today is what head coach Sam Pittman had to say about players who decide they want to enter the transfer portal, and he said to any Arkansas football player that enters the transfer portal, you cannot come back to Arkansas, even if you get no other offers. Luke, you played the game at the collegiate level. What are your thoughts on those comments?
0: Um. Yeah. I mostly I agree on that, except for uh, there are special occasions like this year. I'm thankful that obviously that Coach Ladner let let Tyler Stevenson come back. That was a kid that didn't get recruited. I, I get it, and I get the other side to it is you're basically saying, "Are there any greener pastures out there for me?" Uh, I, I get that, and it can create riff in the locker room. I think first and foremost, it basically. It depends on the person and it depends on the situation because, you know, when, when the Turner situation happened, basically people said, yo, this is the second time you've checked out on us. We don't want you back. And that was kind of to a man. We, we had talked about that. That was kind of the vibe coming out. But, you know, when, when Stevenson came back for, for basketball sake, I mean, he got welcomed back quickly. So mostly I agree with that statement. Um, I just want to know, I think a lot, uh, sometimes it may be a little more case by case, but generally, if you're going to say you don't like it here, if there's a change of a coaching staff, I, I get it. At the same token, if it's the same crew, same team, same roster, and you say deuces, then probably, yeah, you need to hit the road.
1: Chuck Abadie, this view
0: that Sam Pittman has
1: taken is very much old school, but what would be the ramifications if more coaches drew the line in the sand and said you're taking a risk buddy because if you don't get any offers you're out at the door with us as well
2: you know what i don't think i don't think it's going to affect a lot of athletes i really don't you know one of the interesting th- things about that story uh kelly was that the, i think they said 1600 players were in the transfer portal and 1100 of them still don't have a place now, we're on, we're at J- July 23rd. Obviously, a lot of them are not going to have a place to go. Now, do, it, will there'll be some other coaches that'll think like Pittman. They just may not say it publicly, okay? Because, look, if you've got a, a, a kid, a wide receiver, very fast kid, he happens to be your number five or six wide receiver, he wants to play. He throws his name in the transfer portal, but – the wide receiver coach really likes the guy, you know, okay, and he can't find a place to play. The wide receiver, you know, goes back to the wide receiver coach, coach, I really need to come back, okay. Then you risk the situation of coaches having differences among the coaches, okay. Now, I know the head coach has the final say, okay.
1: But but you think the guys generally that are entering the transfer portal aren't major threats to a starting job anyway, right. if I'm interpreting yeah, what yeah, you're saying.
2: Yes, yes, I do. And, and, and look, and Luke can answer this better than me. I mean, linemen. Let's take linemen, for example. I mean, if they're transferring, they pretty much have looked at the situation and think, I can play, okay, and play quickly, okay? I think skill positions are a lot different than that.
0: What do you think, Luke? I just think it depends on where, where the guy sits. And so why is he transferring? Because there are people that transfer. I mean, you take you take Jack Abraham for an example, right? Do, do we have to? He's the starting quarterback. <laughs> well, what the point I'm making is yeah. he's the starting quarterback. And he, he checks out midseason and transfers to a place where he probably will not be the starting quarterback. So what? So that's a skill position, and and not to you know not to argue, but just say that's a skill position, um, and there there's no certainty there. There's far less certainty there. I think sometimes in a in a position like the offensive line, because they are so deep, and over your first year or two years of the offensive line, really year one as a freshman, you're beefing up and trying to get in in football shape. Year two, you're learning. So uh, around year three, if you're still You know, two or three deep on the depth chart, you probably know it's not going to pan out for you, or if it does, it's going to be your last year there. So I I think it's every position is is really like that because in the skill positions in D1 football, you know, if you're not running a 4-5 or less, you're probably not going to hit the field anyway.
1: All right, let's take a look now at the other breaking stories regarding conference alignment. The Austin Statesman newspaper is reporting today that Texas and Oklahoma may have already struck a deal with the SEC and that it might be made public in as little as two weeks. The Statesman also says that Oklahoma and Texas have been in negotiations with the SEC for some six months now. Again, one of the reasons you you like having newspaper reporters that are on these beats so that these stories get reported sooner rather than later. So if what the Austin statesman says is correct, Oklahoma and Texas would be headed to the SEC. A Hattiesburg uh, listener to this program, Joel Johnson, made a comment this morning, and I thought it was a really good analogy. He said if the SEC only understood what they were getting into at the University of Texas, th- he... he made the the note that the University of Texas is probably the the spoiled brat of all college programs in the country, and that when you're dealing with Texas, you are dealing with a, you talk about high-maintenance relationship. You're in that with Texas if they go to the SEC. So then if that happens, and the Big 12, which already only has 10 teams, goes down to 8, do they go back to the Big 8? Or does the Big 12 scramble for schools? Well, the athletic directors in a conference call last night of the Big 12, ESPN is reporting that those athletic directors threw out names like Central Florida, Cincinnati, BYU, and SMU, that the Big 12 would potentially go after them. So I don't even know where to start, Luke. That's a lot to process.
0: Here, here's, the, here's the deal with BYU. They're, they're not going to play on certain days. They're just not going to play on certain days. And so if you're going to get BYU, you're going to get BYU on their own terms. That's why Notre Dame is back independent and and not ACC. You know, I mean, because you got a lot of freedom. Um, You kind of control your own. And, And BYU, I mean, they're a brand. And, and they show up more times than not to do that. Um, uh, we're going to hit a commercial break here in just a minute so we can carry this over into, to the second segment. I think the one, the one name there, Kelly, that we missed out yesterday in ours is Cincinnati. Like somebody texted me late on it about it, but yeah, definitely huge market area. And we've seen what they've been able to do in football. I think if, if they were to expand or to, to plug these holes, even if more than, if, if two teams leave, I think Cincinnati's a lock for two. If for sure it's going to happen, we can pick it up more after after the break. And our buddy
1: Barry Grantham, you know, talked about us mentioning the Southland yesterday. Not because any of the teams in the Southland would compete at the Division One level. I'm just saying that conference is also already in the flux of trying to find new teams. Much more to talk about, including the new, te- the new name for the Cleveland Major League Baseball team. We'll unveil it for you next as the Eagle Hour continues. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss
0: to the top. Final segment on this Friday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. They're on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. The website DBATHattiesburg.com. School getting ready to start back. Fall ball kicking up. Softball and baseball training there at D-Bat, and then D-1 training right next to it on the right. Excellent place to get in shape. D-Bat D-1, proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander, Michael Murgans, Chuck Abadie from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Back to our discussion, and and Chuck, uh, kind of what we were talking about during the break. You know, with if with with realignment now here on on the doorstep, uh, the question is, you know, with with the Big Twelve losing Texas and Oklahoma, and and Texas and Oklahoma being reported now, they may join by 2025. The Big Twelve could fold or could uh, you know be be gobbled up or or dismantle before that time. And what you were saying, you know, while we were off air getting ready to come back, is. How does the rest of the SEC vote? I think the rule right now, 11 athletic directors, you know, provide the majority vote of the 14 teams. But to your point, you know, how does Texas and Oklahoma affect some of uh, the other schools in the SEC right now?
2: Well, I I just think that some of those teams and I you got to include Ole Miss and Mississippi State in there are going to be even further down the pecking order. I mean, Vanderbilt, some of them, I, I mean, it's hard enough, okay? to compete, especially in that West division, okay? And I don't know how they would divide it up. I I saw one division where they had Alabama, Texas, and Oklahoma in the same division. I can't imagine that happening.
1: And, And one of the reasons, supposedly, that Oklahoma and Texas wanted to make the move to the SEC is they said it would be easier to win a national championship in any sport playing in the SEC. That's provided you get to the national championship game. And I would assert... That by being the king of the hill in the Big Twelve would at least give you a better shot of getting to the championship game than having to beat each other up in a conference like that proposed new SEC. Who even says you're gonna make it out alive during a football season, so to speak, if you go into that new you know, new conference? But supposedly here's that's why they want to go.
0: Here here's my argument, short and short and sweet. Texas has not won a Big 12 championship in football in, in quite some time. Okay, I think I saw one statistic. They have more losses to Kansas than Big 12 championships in, uh, in the last uh, few years. So, so Texas has not won in quite some time. Why would they want to come to the SEC where it's going to be harder to win? Because they're going to get more money. And that's why ultimately these SEC schools will vote for Texas and Oklahoma because they're going to have more exposure. And and I thought this was a great point, too. I think Ross Dellinger mentioned this. In an area where attendance is going down, if you're going to tell your fans specifically in, in a division or a pod they get placed in that you're going to have Texas and Oklahoma in your stadium every other year, that's going to help attendance. So the conference becoming better is going to boost attendance. But ultimately it comes down to it, and it's sad. People don't care about wins and losses right now. They care about money, and they care about keeping the the revenue going. And so this realignment, again, the trickle-down effect, how it affects our team, Southern Miss, is – you, you, can't, you can't be defensive right now. You've got to go on the offensive. You've got to be proactive because there are going to be a few opportunities for the Eagles to cash in. If,
1: and if indeed that's the case, Luke Johnson, then the Conference USA teams may be up a well-known creek because the leadership at Conference USA, most everyone, insiders and outsiders, say is um, mediocre at best. And you need some. I'm
0: not talking about Judy being proactive. I'm talking about Jeremy being proactive, which I believe he is and will continue to be. I mean, okay. if, if, if the whole thing's about to get shaken up, you're looking to take a step up pretty quick as soon as it happens. And, and you, you don't think that the college athletics are
1: big money when you're talking about Texas and Oklahoma. Texas and Oklahoma moving to another conference so they can make more money. Since when has money been an issue at Texas and Oklahoma? But that just shows you how much more money there is to be made.
2: Well, you know the other point, too. I would think that they would have to adjust the schedule. Right now, you you know, you play seven, eight eight conference games. They talked
1: about potentially breaking it down into pods. You'd play everybody in your pod every year then you'd play two teams from the other pods and rotate it in a way that you would have every single team in the conference at your place at least once every four years.
2: Okay. That's, right. So, see, that, that, that's a big thing. Now you don't have the gimme's on your schedule. You're having to play another conference foe who's going to be pretty good. Okay. And I'm speaking in terms of the lower-tier teams. You know, I mean, they they won't be playing – the the gimme's okay. They'll be forced to yeah. play one of the other's guys.
0: Well, one other thing to uh, make Kelly before before we yeah before we just, wrap up because
1: go ahead. I was just going to say in, in Major League Baseball, we mentioned uh, going into the break that the Cleveland Major League Baseball team has announced now that uh, beginning next year they will be called the Cleveland Guardians which you might think, well, that's kind of an odd name. But hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the Cleveland team was called the Guardians. So, again, trying to break away from any uh, perceived negative connotations with Native Americans. Uh, the Indians' name is, is going. The Guardians game, The Guardians' name will take place beginning next year. Luke, anything else?
0: Marvel going to be the corporate sponsor, I guess, of the Cleveland baseball team. Hey, quick uh, shout-out, Swayze Bozeman, starting linebacker for Southern Miss. 4.0 GPA in exercise science. He's named to the twenty 2020, twenty or 2021 Conference USA All-Academic Football Team. Congratulations to Swayze. He was on the show just uh, a few uh, a few weeks ago. And, and anyway, I, appreciate you hanging out with us another week on the Eagle Hour. Kelly, take it away. I was going to say I liked Swayze
1: Bozeman, too. He told me about his grade point. I hate smart guys like that.
0: <laughs> anyway, have a great
1: weekend, everybody. Luke Johnson, Chuck Abadie, Michael Mergens. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, Southern Miss. To,
0: to the, the top. top. To the top. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.